Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Well, Happy New Year to all of you here uh, this morning. We're kind of finishing up the holiday thing here in our, uh, in our speaking. And um, I don't know about you, but I always felt like New Year's, New Year's Eve was kind of overrated. But, you know, kind of an artificial day here. And, uh, but it's still something good to kind of look back, look forward. And um, um, this morning what I want to do is take you through some verses from Philippians that really can point us in a new way in the new year. My, uh, my second daughter was in from St. Louis over Christmas. She managed to fly in before the storm hit. She was supposed to leave uh, last, I think it was Tuesday, and uh, her flight got canceled with about seven hours to go before she was supposed to. So they ended up um, renting a car and uh, at an exorbitant rate to, to drive back to St. Louis. My sister uh, was out in uh, San Diego, was supposed to come back on Monday. Uh, it was like Friday night about midnight when she got back. And um, I think, you know, dealing with like Southwest Airlines has not been exactly a pleasant experience for a lot of people. I love Southwest Airlines. I, I just, I, I think their employees are great. They're just, uh, they're just nice people. They really know what they're doing. They're great. Um, and I think that may have been one of the problems when you look into what, what actually went on and why there was such a disaster over the holidays was the very strength of their employees because uh, Southwest uses a software called SkySolver and they had not really updated this for maybe a, a couple of decades. And so they're dealing with old systems right now, relying on the fact that their employees are first rate you know, to deal with all the scheduling problems, and they're not an air, airline that's got a hub. They just go, you know, port to port to port to port, keep moving planes around. So when this big storm hit and just caused all kinds of problems for everybody, then, and you got the end of the month and people running out of hours, like pilots can actually fly in a given month and stuff, the whole thing just became a big disaster. And I think in our lives, sometimes our strengths are the very things that, that trip us up. And um, one of the things I think that you and I need to be aware of here in 2023 is that our strengths are not going to get us through 2023 successfully. And Paul, you know, the New Testament missionary, church planner, apostle, had written a letter to a bunch of believers in this Greek city of Philippi. Uh, and in it, he recounted the fact that of when or how, I guess I should say, he came to realize that his strengths were not enough to get him through. And it takes us to Philippians 3, starting with verse 3, where Paul says this. He goes, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul was basically the goat in Jewish terms. Now, if you know your sports, right, the GOAT is greatest of all time. And Paul was like, hey, if there's anybody who was really the greatest in Jewish terms, his pedigree was like, was the best, right? He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. You know, that's a requirement. He was right on the button there. I am a 
pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the Jewish law without fault. He was the best. He, was, he had strength. This is a religious culture. This guy is super religious. He's got it, he's got it together. You know, it reminded me of uh, something I, you know, I was reading this novel by Paul Thoreau called Under the Wave at Waimea. And it's about this guy, his name is Joe Sharkey. Uh, he's a guy who overcame all kinds of, you know, it's, it's a novel, right? So it's, it's fiction. But this character, this guy overcame all kinds of like uh, disabilities and drawbacks, poverty and stuff. And he rises to the top of the surfing game, right? He's the best surfer around wins all these prizes. He gets recognized everywhere. He goes, oh, that's Joe Sharkey, stuff like that. Now, but then he starts getting older, right? And like any kind of athlete, you know, it's, he's not as well known as he was and stuff like that. He starts like, I mean, he's got enough money. He never has to work. His, his mother had died when he was fairly young, leaving him a whole pile of cash, right? So all he does is he'll go out on the waves uh, when the waves are good, and then he smokes a lot of weed, and that becomes, he's starting to smoke more and more as his life kind of like gets blah, right? And, but he, he still won't face up to the fact that, that he's not on a firm foundation at all. And then one night, he's driving impaired, and he hits a guy in a, on a bike and kills him. And when the authorities investigate, they find, oh, it was Joe Sharkey. So they don't press charges or anything. It just go, but this moral failure of his starts to haunt him. And this brings him almost like to the end of himself. And he gets invited by a friend uh, to talk to some young surfers. He goes like, oh, that would be so exciting for them to hear you. He walks into this group of young surfers and he realizes they have no idea who he is. He's like yesterday, right? And he changes his speech. You know, he, he starts talking. He goes, I know what you want. You want to win prizes. You want respect. You want to compete. You want to win and be a hero, but winning is nothing. It doesn't help you. You get to my age and you're pow. Pow is like the Hawaiian term for like you're yesterday, you're finished, you're done, you're toast. No one knows you. No one remembers. Look at me. You don't know who I am. And I think Paul had that same feeling of the ground just kind of shifting under his feet that something was missing in his life, even though he was like, he had all this like strength that he was relying on. And I believe that you and I are going to need a strong foundation for 2023, something that Paul realized after a while he was missing. Joe Sharkey realized that he was missing too. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he closes with this. He told his disciples, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He goes, if you live for me, you're still going to have storms. And some of them are going to be fierce, but somehow you're going to be able to withstand those things, and you're not going to fall because your foundation is good. It reminded me of... Uh, something that I read about some time ago about the Patronus Towers. 
These are like some of the tallest structures in the world, bigger than anything in Chicago. The Patronus Towers are literally twice as tall as Terminal Tower downtown in Cleveland. I mean, this is huge, right? And it's actually got a, a place there that, that you can go from one tower to the other, like halfway up the tower there. Now, where this was built in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, steel is ex extremely expensive. Like, we build our skyscrapers here with steel because it's so strong, but that's something that's really impractical there. So they built this thing with concrete. And can you imagine how heavy a structure like this would be? And in order to support that structure, what they ended up doing was digging down 40 stories, 40 stories to put a strong foundation underneath this building. That's what Jesus is talking about for our lives. He's saying for, for us to have that stability, to have that foundation, we're going we're gonna to need a strong foundation to have that, to be able to survive what, could, what the things that happen in life. And he goes on in his, uh, in his closing here. I think I'm running out of juice here. In the, here we go. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so he's saying, hey, same storm, but this house goes down because it had a foundation that was weak. The guy that I thought about when I was thinking about that was Tom Brady. Now, I, I don't know how many of you are like football fans, but even if you aren't, you've probably heard of this guy because he's the GOAT, right? He's the greatest of all time in terms of quarterbacks. Most people would say, although I had somebody after the service last night that said, no, it's Joe Montana. But they're going, I, Tom Brady, most people think that, that that's the case. And if you see that inset picture on the right uh, of, this, of the screen there, this is a typical look from Tom Brady this year. I mean, the guy is like past his prime, right? And he's experiencing some frustration. His team has lost more than they've won. Brady's underthrowing receivers. You know, he's just not the same that he was. And people have started to ask a lot, why doesn't he retire? You know, he's been around for I don't know how many years. Why doesn't he give it up? And I, I heard uh, a guy speak the other night. Uh, I just saw this on TV, but Steve Young, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he said, I think I know the reason why. He said, you know, when you're the quarterback, all the eyes are on you, right? NFL's a big product, highest rated TV shows, you know, week after week after week, and you're on that field, and everybody's watching you, and you're the center of all the action there. Everybody's focused on the quarterback, and here he is, like the greatest of all time, but what happens if he retires? He's not the greatest at anything anymore. You know, he's got, he's good at some stuff, but he's not the greatest at all. You know, and he's kind of like, then he becomes like you and me, right? I mean, we're good at a few things, you know. Um, the other day, I managed to jump my car after my daughter left the lights on during the, during the uh, blizzard, you know, and the battery was dead. I'm good at that, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the greatest of all time with that, but there's a ton of things that I, that I can't do well, you know, that I'm just like mediocre. And so how do you deal with that? And what do you, how do you deal with it when your life has been built on something that you're really good at and then that goes away? You know, where do you go from there? 
you know, it's something that I think about because, you know, I'm in the age where I'm thinking, okay, do, when do I retire from teaching? And when I leave that behind, you know, if so much of my life has been built on just doing a good job of teaching in the classroom, and then what do I got? Do I have a foundation that's actually strong when these things in life that go away actually do go away? You know, I think we all have to ask ourselves about that. The things that we really value as important, those things that we can do, those relationships we've got, those securities that we're, we have built on. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's the love of some other people. What do we do when that isn't there? Do we have a firm foundation? And Paul actually uh, came up with this new foundation, and he said, I once thought these things, you know, his old strengths were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And he built his life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And everything else just paled into, into insignificance. Even this awesome religious pedigree that he once boasted of and thought was so great he says, for his sake, for Christ's sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. That word garbage there, that he's describing the stuff that he valued before so greatly, that isn't even the, what, that's a weak translation of the word that's actually there. Today I want to teach you a new vocabulary word as your English teacher here. It's the word feculent. That's really, what it's, that's really what it is. And just to illustrate what that means or what the word is really talking about, let me go back to something that happened in April of 2022, just this last year. This is uh, from Olympic National Park in Washington State. And there was a woman there who was visiting the park, and she had to visit that outhouse back there. And uh, she went in there and unfortunately dropped her cell phone down into the pit toilet there, okay? And so she dismantled the toilet, and she tried to reach down to get that cell phone out of there and could not reach it. Well, she happened to, be having, she happened to have her dog there, so she took the leash off the dog, and she strung that thing up inside that place, and she held onto that thing to try to reach down farther, and unfortunately, the leash broke, and she fell in, okay? So here she is in, and she can't get out. But she retrieves her phone and calls 911. These phones are amazing, aren't they? Uh, and so she calls 911, and these two fellows here from the park service came to rescue her. You see those blocks of wood there uh, behind them? Uh, they dropped those down in there. They said, okay, let those things settle down there, and you can stand on those so that we can... We can put, notice the smiles on their faces. <laughs> They're going, we've got the better job here, you know. Um, and they were managed to, like, like pull her out. Now, what, she, uh, by the way, they said, look, we've got to take you to the hospital. She goes, no, um, just hose me off. I'm getting out of here. Um, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to tell you my, you know, you can understand how she felt. Um, but the, anyway, what she fell into was what Paul says was garbage, you know, it's like feculent means full of, like, sewage. And Paul uses that very strong term to describe his strengths that he had before, these things that were good things that he had relied upon, but compared to knowing Jesus, that's what they were. 
As Paul says, I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law. Rather, uh, rather, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And now he describes what it means to have that foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives, to have that. And he says, as a result, I can really know Christ. And that word there, he's talking about a relationship that runs so deep. And what that would mean in our lives would be like, no matter what would happen in our lives, we would know that he was sticking with us, that he's going to walk us through. And so if we would experience some kind of health disaster in 2023, we'd go like, whoa, this is, this is devastating. But knowing I got Jesus with me here to walk me through this thing, that it wouldn't prevail against me. Or maybe it would be like an economic problem that might come along where it just our finances get devastated, but he would be there for us at that time. We would experience moral failure where we realize, oh man, I've, I've done so much, I've done this wrong thing and I'm so ashamed and I just feel like I'm so unworthy. And we would know that he's not going to abandon us at this time. He's going, no, I got a relationship with you that goes beyond your moral character. It's, I'm, I'm still love you. I'm with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you always through thick and through thin, no matter how toxic situations get, no matter how poorly it goes at work or in our families or the upsets that, that come against us. He's going to take us through. That's what it means to really know Christ. And then he says, uh, not only to really know him, but experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And so there's, there's things in our lives where we realize we've got to do something about them, but they've been difficult. It might be, you know, an area of our lives, a sin problem that we just seem to struggle with, and we go back to it, and we find ourselves again and again going, Lord, please forgive me for this thing. I can't believe I did it again. And he's going, look, look at, I'm going to give you that strength by my, virtue of the very fact that I'm living within you. I am going to give you the strength to start really dealing with that and getting some victory in that situation. I want to break that addiction that holds you back. I'm, I want to enable you to love coworkers who are so annoying. I want to enable you to to actually ask for forgiveness in some area that you're, and confess some sin where you've been holding back in, in doing that. All these things in our lives where we just, we just struggle with, and we, go, we feel like giving up and just going like, I guess that's just the way I end. He's going like, no, no, I got bigger and better things for you. You don't have to walk in all this fear and all this anxiety. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to help you to get on top of these things. That, that, are gonna, that might be happening, you know? It could be something extremely severe, but he's going like, I'm going to be there for you. Now, I think the Lord is calling us to aggressively pursue this new life in 2023. I think one of the, uh, one of the things that Paul really wants to stress here is this. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to aggressively pursue these things that God really saved me for. You know, one of the problems, I think, of, of us as American Christians 
is that so many times we're just real passive, you know, we're just kind of inactive. And so our thing is, yeah, I know Jesus, you know, I believe in him, I trust him, and now I'm going to heaven. Now, what am I going to do in the meantime? Well, I'll go to church and try to stay awake through the sermon, you know, check that box and then get on with my life. And the Lord's going, no, no, that's not what it's about. It's not what I saved you for. He's saying, I got, I got something much better for you. I got bigger plans uh, for you. When Paul says, um, I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, that word is a strong word. It's like, I want to seize those things that God's got for me this year. I want to capture them. I want to like wrestle them to the ground. And I, I, I just wanted to show you this thing here. This, I, I got a minute and 40 second video clip. And it talks about how, I mean, this may sound kind of obscure, but how tackling rules have changed in the NFL in the last 60 years, okay? So just bear with me on this, and let's, uh, let's watch this thing here. We're going to learn what was not a tackle. Ray Renfrew made three pro bowls as a receiver for the Browns, but threw a few trip passes every now and then. This was the only interception he ever threw in his career. And it's a horrible throw. Ed Kissel picks it off, and it gets brought to the ground by Pete Brewster on the tackle. Under today's rules, Pittsburgh gets the ball at the 40-yard line. But under the rules of 1954, he's able to get nine more yards out of the return. Here's another one from a different game between the Browns and the Steelers, this time coming on the final day of the regular season on December 12th. The Browns would dominate this one, winning by a final score of 42-7, and this was one of Cleveland's six touchdowns. Rookie running back Chet Hamulak found the end zone three times in the first half. He had four touchdowns in the rest of his career combined. This touchdown was from eight yards out, although under today's rules, this one would not count, as he was brought down at roughly the two-yard line by Burl Shields. Under the rules of 1954, though, he was able to just roll into the end zone and score. And to end this video, Let's end it naturally with the NFL championship between the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. Cleveland was in total command of this game, winning it 56-10. Here was one of their eight touchdowns. Hall of Fame quarterback Otto Grant found eventual two-time Pro Bowl wideout Pete Brewster on this eight-yard touchdown pass late in the first quarter to give the Browns a 14-3 lead. But he's clearly down at the two-yard line. There are two Lion defenders around him as he gets plopped to the ground. Brewster is able to get back up, though, and wills his way into the end zone for the touchdown. Side note, I made another video about... That was a shocking video, wasn't it? Brown scoring touchdowns, uh, and they're in the championship game, and they won the thing. Somebody told me last night, they said, I had no idea they ever won a championship, you know? Yeah, but, you know, what I, what I wanted you to see in there is the fact that, you know, these guys could, like, get up from the ground if they weren't held down and they could just keep going. And I think that's what happens so many times in my life and in yours is that we'll start to make a move toward doing some of these things that God is calling us to. And then those things will get away from us, you know? And, and Paul's saying here, no, no, I'm... My, my idea is I want to capture those things. I want to lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of me for. And I want to pursue those kind of things and not give up and just kind of just check, you know, call, phone it in after a while and just go, well, I'm only human or something like that. But go in the mighty power and the strength 
uh, that he's got for us in 2023 and accomplish some of these things that we've kind of been afraid to do. And maybe it's like talking to somebody that we've always been afraid to confront. You know, maybe it's like reaching out to somebody that we're afraid is going to maybe take advantage of the love that we're showing for them. Maybe it's giving some money and being generous in areas where we've kind of held back because we're afraid God's not going to take care of us then. You know, just stuff like this to pursue it like Paul was intending to do. And we can't let our past successes or our failures slow us down. Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He says, I'm forgetting the past. I'm looking forward. You know, so many times it's like we're kind of lean back on what we've accomplished before and, and our successes that we've had. And sometimes that can be a real trap for us. And then other times we dwell on the failures, the times we've just haven't done well. We let that discourage us from moving on. And Paul says, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to strain aggressively to pursue the goal that God intends for me and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, Southwest in 2023 is not going to look back and kind of lean back on their past successes. Nobody's going to allow them to anymore, are they? They're not going to go, yeah, we were awesome, you know, or something like that. Nor, I think, are they, if they're wise, are they going to look back and go, wow, we're such a failure, let's just pack it in. No, they're going to move aggressively forward. At least I hope they do. And I think that's the same thing that God is calling us to do, to not look back to where we've been and rest on that or dwell in that or wallow in that, but to move aggressively forward in 2023 to do the things that God is calling us to do, the things that will bring glory to his name where we're going to, the name of Jesus will be lifted up just by our very presence. And we're going to see God doing some really great things in our lives, things that we never imagined that he could do before. So let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, we first of all want to thank you for all the good things that you have, have done and are doing in our lives. Uh, what you have done in 2022, we were overblessed. So many things we just took for granted, but so many... You did so much. You just blessed us with such abundance. And especially we thank you for, for letting us in on this new life in Christ and this foundation that we could have that isn't going to like fade away, that's not going to just you know, let us fall or get blown away by the storms. Thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray for a, a, a happy new year, let's call it in 2023, where we can walk in the blessing that you have got for us and, and just walk in what you are empowering us to do and make a difference wherever we go thanks to uh, your presence in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.